Right, good morning, everybody. Sorry about that. We're having uh, one or two um, technical sound issues, but hopefully you can now hear me. Uh, welcome to our service this morning on this Remembrance Day. Uh, we will be uh, remembering the two-minute silence. Um, we weren't sure the cenotaph was going to happen, and so uh, we've got an alternate uh, way of doing it, and I'll explain that just before we start. Uh, if anyone would like prayer after the service, then please, uh, as usual, text Nigel. Uh, the number is 07777-704887. That's 07770-704987. And we'll put you into a prayer room and a member of the prayer team uh, will come along. There's one other notice to give, and that is uh, Grace Burgess's uh, Thanksgiving service will be held here on the 11th of November at 11.15, and it's by invitation only. Uh, we are only allowed to have 30 guests uh, within the church, so it's by invitation only. If you haven't received an invitation, uh, then we will be Zooming the service, uh, but we didn't want to put uh, the Zoom link anywhere, other online or anywhere. And so if you want to uh, Zoom in to Grace's Thanksgiving service, then please contact the office and Evelyn will send you the link and uh, you'll then be able to, to view it. So that's uh, this Wednesday, the 11th of November at 11.15. Well, let me pray and then I'll hand over to Steve and Sarah to lead our sun worship. Father, as we gather together this morning, we want to honour you with our praise and our worship. And as we honour you, we would ask that you will meet with us wherever we are, whether we're here in the church or at home, that you will move by your spirit upon us, that you will touch our lives, that we may be blessed because we've met together in Jesus' name. Amen. So Steve and Sarah.
we thank you that in these times of uh, not knowing what's going to happen we thank you that we are safe within the holy overshadowing that we are safe in your care as children of God and we just want to acknowledge that you are amazing that you are more than we can ask or imagine because you love us and you care for us we want to bless you this morning as we gather together that your name might be glorified in Jesus name. Amen. Well, we're going to give Mark uh, a week off uh, from the all age talk. So you've got me again, uh, I'm afraid. Um, but on this uh, Remembrance Sunday, uh, we remember and give thanks to all those who gave their lives in defense of this country since the First World War and all the wars, wars that have been going since and uh, even today. And we remember 
uh, all those who have served or are serving in our armed forces. We thank you for the Air Force, the Navy and the Army who serve their King and now serve our Queen. They put themselves at risk around the world. They do this for our nation as a whole to protect our way of life and our freedom. But of course, there are others who serve this nation and the people in other services. We want to give thanks to those who serve in our NHS, who put themselves at risk, and more recently fighting an enemy that isn't seen, COVID-19, but is deadly and claiming the lives of people in our nation and those who serve in the NHS. And we would want to also give thanks for our fire and rescue services who put their lives at risk and help support the people of our nation. The fire service, the RNLI, the Air Sea Rescue, the Mountain Rescue, and many more paid and voluntary services who work tirelessly to support us and save us from danger. And many have lost their own lives as a consequence of their actions. We want to give thanks for our police force who put their lives at risk in serving the government and the people of our nation, preventing and resolving crime and responding to all kinds of dangerous situations. We put ourselves in dangerous situations and others put us in it as well. But for those that have lost their lives, responding to terrorist attacks and defending the laws and the ways of our nation. All these people we owe a debt of gratitude to in defense of our nation and as people a whole. But today we want to also give thanks to someone who gave his life for not only this nation, but for all of creation. He gave his life for me and for all of us that we might have an eternal relationship with him and the Father. Jesus died because he loved me and would have even died if it was only me that had sinned. And greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus wants to be friends with all of us. I'm going to move uh, into um, this uh, time of remembrance. I'm going to read Psalm 46, a familiar psalm. Um, that I'm sure um, you're all aware of. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still 
and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We're going to sing um, the traditional song, O God, our help in ages past. Thank you, Steve and Sarah. Father, I thank you that you are our hope, not only in ages past, but also in years to come. You're our hope at this very moment in time. And as our nation remembers those who gave their lives, we want to recognize that you, Lord Jesus, gave your life, that we might have freedom from sin, that we might have freedom from death. So we thank you, Jesus, that you left the glory of heaven to walk this earth as a sinless man, but die the death of a criminal, that we might have life. What a debt of gratitude we owe to you, our almighty God, for drawing salvation's plan 
at the beginning of time. You knew we would fail you. But your love for us was so great that you were willing to give up your son for each one of us. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. But you haven't left us alone. You gave us the Holy Spirit who helps us each day not only to become more Christ-like, but helps us in those times when we're tempted. So we thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May you be glorified in our lives. Amen. We come to uh, uh, that time uh, where we will remember those who gave their lives in service for this country. And it will be a YouTube clip that we'll be using. As part of this clip, there will be a bugle call of the last post to start the two minutes. There'll then be a two minute countdown that you'll see on the screen if you have your eyes open. And at the end of those two minutes, uh, there will be another bugle call. And at the end of this, Tony Hooper will say the familiar words used on Remembrance Day. So as we start the video um, and the bugle starts to call, if you're able, let's please stand and remember those who gave their lives for our freedom. Thank you.
They shall not grow old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun, and in the morning, we will remember them. Father, we lift before you all those members of our armed forces. We lift, you, lift before you those in the Air Force, the Navy and the Army who are serving this country around the world at this particular time. Lord, we would ask for safekeeping as they try to defend freedom in many different countries. But Lord, we know that through war, through all sorts of actions, many have been injured over the years. And Lord, we would pray that wherever those injured of our armed forces are at this moment in time, that you will just be pleased to minister to them, to bring healing, to bring restoration. And Lord, we know that many in, that we read about or hear about in the news suffer mentally. Lord, we would ask that you'll bring them a peace, bring them a comfort, but in some way break through through the power of your spirit to let them know you were there to love them and to care for them. And Lord, we would pray for all the families who have husbands, wives, sons, daughters, mothers, fathers in the armed forces. Lord, sometimes it's very difficult to be at home and not know what is going on. And so, Lord, we pray that you will just meet with them too, that you'll be close to them, that again, you'll give them your peace and your comfort at this time. The Lord, on this Remembrance Day, as we remember those that gave their life, we also remember Jesus gave his life. And we say thank you to each one of them and to our Saviour. Amen. Well, continuing uh, to look at uh, 1 John, and uh, Martin will be speaking a little bit later, but uh, I'm pleased to say that Tony Harris is going to bring us the reading this morning. Thank you, Tony. If you unmute yourself. Thank you. Good morning. Greetings from Whitstable. Uh, the reading this morning is 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 18, entitled More on Love and Hatred. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love each one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and who murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if this world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions 
and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Let's pray for Martin as he comes to speak. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you that as we read it, the Holy Spirit can bring it to life. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've been working in Martin this week as he's prepared the word for today. And so, Lord, we would ask that you'll open our hearts and minds to receive from you, that as we hear your word to us, that we would respond to it in a way that brings you the glory. So bless him and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tony. And uh, thank you. We seem to have a lot of Tonys involved this morning. We had uh, Tony Hooper in his uh, uniform reading the Trest. So thank you for that. And we had Tony Harris from uh, my old home church in Whitstable reading the, uh, the reading. So thank you all these Tonys that uh, have been involved. It's, uh, it's great. And thank you to those who are not called Tony who are helping to make this happen today. Um, the team in church here and... Uh, everybody who's taken part today. Well, last week, um, we looked at how, as Christians, as God's children, we are to resemble the family likeness of God our Father in heaven. Today, we look at how, as brothers and sisters in the family of God, we are commanded to love one another, as 1 John 3 verse 11 puts it. Uh, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And with family comes the responsibility to love. It's the same in the church. We are a family. And as Christians, we have family ties and responsibilities to love one another. Um, but what does loving one another mean? Well, the Bible defines love in this way. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Um, we didn't plan it this way, but this text just happened to fall on Remembrance Sunday, the day when we remember that uh, men and women, past and present, have laid down their lives for others in the service of their country to ensure justice and to protect us from danger and evil. And so it's appropriate that this text has come to us today because the sacrifice of men and women in the armed forces and in the other services reminds us of the ultimate example of Jesus who laid down his life as a sacrifice for us. And that model of Jesus is our model. Um, in verse, the second half of verse 16, John says this, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Now, some Christians around the world um, literally have laid down and continue to lay down their lives for the cause of Christ and the gospel. To identify with the name of Jesus in some nations around the world is to be persecuted, it's to be imprisoned, it's to lose one's job, and at worst, it's to be executed for the faith. But for all of us, there is a cost 
a sacrifice in loving Jesus. John says that true love is about laying down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And laying down our lives for our brothers and sisters is about giving up, sacrificing our own time, our own money, our own possessions to help others in need. As we enter the new lockdown, surely sacrificing for one another is needed now more than ever. And love as sacrifice is demanding and costly. Giving things up, whether our own priorities or time or comfort or money for the sake of others is not a one-off action. It's a lifelong discipline. We are to have a posture as Christians of each day looking out for the needs of others. And for us, this is a daily struggle against self-centeredness. Our fallen nature craves comfort and ease and is self-centered by nature. But sacrificial love calls us to give up self-interest and look to the needs of others every day. And this applies whatever we're doing, whether we're raising children, serving as volunteers in the church or in the community, or working to earn money, as Christians, we are called to offer ourselves each day as living sacrifices to God. And so if we're called to raise children or grandchildren, we're called to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God. If we're in business, we are called to serve others by producing the best product and offering the best service we can possibly give to enhance the lives of our customers or our employees. So whatever we do, we serve as though working for the Lord. Jesus is our boss. As uh, Oswald Sanders used to say, we have an audience of one. Jesus is our boss. So if you ever think, if someone ever says, how do you work when the boss is not looking? Well, as a Christian, the boss is always looking. We serve him, the audience of one. So all of us should be looking out for the needs of others and asking, is there anything I can do to love the other? Um, we all, of course, have loving moments. We, we, there are times when we're good at putting the needs of others first. But it's another thing to live a loving life, because a loving life is always looking out for the needs of others every day, whether we feel like it or not. A life lived in regular and consistent service to others is only possible through the indwelling of God's love. I don't know about you, but I find that I lose love very easily. I get compassion fatigue. I get weary of doing good, particularly when lockdown was announced this time round. There was my heart literally sank and I thought, oh, not again um, or not another one, as the lady in Bristol said of the last general election. And so we need to ask God to fill us with love because we do get weary of doing good. And if we are filled with love by the Holy Spirit, then we are empowered to love one another following the model of Jesus who laid down his life. And John begins with a negative example of how not to love others. He says, don't be like Cain. Um, why does John use such an extreme example of Cain and Abel? After all, um, Cain killed his brother. Well, there was a lot of hatred in the churches that John was writing to, a lot of division. False teachers had caused division. 
Um, some had literally left the churches and given up on their faith. And there was a lot of um, acrimony in the churches. False teachers had really stirred up hatred um, and people had left and fallen out with each other. But John says, don't be like Cain, verse 12. Don't be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. You remember the story back in Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel were the sons of Adam and Eve. Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. Cain brought an offering of some of his gardening produce to God. Abel also brought an offering of some fat portions from some of the firstborn from his flock. And the story says that God looked with favor on Abel and his offerings, but not with favor on Cain and his offerings. And so Cain became very angry. And we learn that God saw the anger of Cain and told him that he was not accepted because his heart was not righteous before God. In other words, Abel was doing right in making an offering to God because he loved God. But Cain's offering was all a show. He didn't really love God. He was doing it to enhance his own reputation. And as a result, Cain hated Abel because he was jealous of his brother's acceptance by God. And he hated the way that God accepted his offering and not his. So Cain killed his brother Abel. And John uses this story as an analogy for the way that the world hates Christians who love God and do what is right. So verse 13, do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. The world in John's meaning is rebellious humanity opposed to God. In the context of the churches John is writing to, those who have left the churches, and those false teachers, have hated the true Christians. Verse 15, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that the murderer has, um, no murderer has eternal life in him. So the Christians who are left in the churches must have suffered all kinds of hatred and abuse from the false teachers and those who'd left the church. Um, but the language of murder and hate does seem to me to be a bit extreme. Until that is, I remember Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, that attitude is everything. That it's not just the physical act of hate and murder that's important. It is actually the inner attitude. Jesus said this, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And that's, that anger is without good cause, without reason. It's that the person themselves has been wronged, that their pride has been hurt, and so they wish the other person dead, as it were. To desire that someone else's reputation is ruined or to wish them out of your life is tantamount to murder says Jesus in our, in our attitude. Sometimes you hear those tragic words, don't you? He or she is dead to me. Well, that's tantamount to hatred and murder. And John is saying that those who've hated the true Christians and left the church are behaving like those in the world who oppose and hate Christians. And Jesus warned us that the world will sometimes hate Christians because of him, John 15, 18. In, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So the world hates Christians because we love and follow Jesus. But why is it that the world hates Jesus? 
Why did not everyone accept Jesus, but many rejected him? After all, didn't Jesus come into the world to pay for our sin and because God so loved the world? Well, the answer is that human hearts in themselves ignore God. Human hearts are rebellious towards God. We don't accept God in our natural state. We reject him and the one that he sent. We think we're okay doing things our way on our terms. And so only by a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit can someone turn from God to God and believe. So John is saying you can't sit on the fence when it comes to loving God and his family. You, there is no fence to sit on. I was still left thinking as I prepared this, isn't John still being a bit extreme here in this language of love and hate? Um, I, I can point to many friends, work colleagues or family members who, while they might not agree with my faith, um, they're respectful. I think of them as decent, friendly, law-abiding people. And we would struggle to say that they hate God or us. That's true. But I don't know whether you've um, ever been in a situation where you've had to defend um, aspects of the Christian faith. And suddenly people that are very polite and respectable can sometimes become quite, um, quite opposed to your beliefs. If you hold uh, a view that says the only way to, to God is through Jesus, I, I myself have caused some offence to people who believe that all roads lead to God. I don't know whether you've come across this sort of thing yourself, but... If you hold to traditional orthodox views in scripture, you will find sooner or later that there will be somebody out there who is offended by what they see as arrogance and exclusivism and narrow-mindedness in the views that you hold. If you hold a faithful biblical view of marriage as between a man and a woman, according to Genesis chapter 1, someone somewhere will find that offensive in our secular tolerant society. And so hatred, I'm afraid to say, is alive and real for us as Christians and perhaps will increase as Christian teaching gets more and more out of kilter with secular uh, morality. And so for John, it's simple. We either love God and his people or we hate them effectively. And this is true for non-Christians who are decent, upright and respectable, as well as those non-Christians who are obviously rebellious. Um, let me illustrate this because this is hard to understand. So imagine two newly qualified teachers, Matt and Tom, starting their first jobs and looking for cheap accommodation. I was uh, in this position with my friend when I left university. To their delight, a family friend, a wealthy music mogul with a stunning estate near their school, offers them his mansion. Unfortunately, this didn't happen to me, but there we go. He tells them, look, I'll be abroad for a few years. I don't really need the money. So enjoy my mansion, you two, for a small rent. All I ask is that you stay in touch and respond to my emails and look after the place. Well, the friends, as you can imagine, are ecstatic. They move in. Each one takes one wing of the mansion. Matt is a wild man, a party animal. And soon the east wing is trashed. Cigarette burns on the furniture beer stains on the walls, and mud trodden into the carpets. Everyone knows that when the owner returns, Matt is going to get kicked out. Tom, however, is completely different. He's quiet and polite. 
He's so well behaved that the West Wing, as it were, is spotless. Everyone assumes that the owner will be glad to let Tom stay. But when the owner returns, he asks them both to leave. Friends of Tom are shocked. Um, but to anyone who asks the owner, he says, look, I realize they're different. Matt trashed the place while Tom was tidy. But they treated me exactly the same. Both of them totally ignored me. Neither bothered to answer my messages. And the house is now seriously damaged. They couldn't even be bothered to pay the small rent that I asked for. So they've abused my kindness, and I'm afraid neither can stay. Now, no one surely could quarrel with the owner of the house in this story. And this story illustrates the different ways that people in our world treat God, whether respectable, religious, moral people or rebellious wild party animals. We live in God's world, enjoying his extreme generosity, and God expects us to listen to his messages in scripture, to look after his creation, and to seek his help in prayer. That's what we were created for, to be stewards of his creation, to live under God's loving rule. But as human beings, we ignore God, we disobey him. Some of us trash our lives. Um, the relational wreckage is everywhere. Other of us, other of us, others of us are clean living, religious and well-behaved. But either way, we ignore God. We proudly presume that we belong in heaven without being in touch with God or recognizing his rule over our lives. Some of us even ignore God for so long that we declare that he's dead and that the house now belongs to us. Either way, we hate God by ignoring him. So you see, it's possible to hate God and ignore him and be respectable and even religious. And it's possible to hate God and ignore him and be wild and rebellious. But we're called as Christians to be neither of those things. We are called to love God as living sacrifices. So what does it mean to love as living sacrifices? Well, as Christians, we've passed from death to life. We have God's spirit in us. So we do recognize the owner of the house. And the owner of the house for us is God. And he lives in the house of our body in the person of his Holy Spirit. So we bow to him. We bow to his rule over us. We love him. We serve him. We sacrifice for others on his behalf. So it's natural for us as Christians, because God owns the house of our lives, to love one another, just as Christ has loved us. And if we love God, John says that we'll show it by sacrificially loving those in need, wherever they are, but especially in the family of the church. Verses 17 and 18. Dear children, uh, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And he goes on. In, sorry, don't need that one, Susie. It's my mistake. <laughs> John uses the example of sharing material possessions. He says, if, if, if you see a brother or a sister in need and you don't share material possessions with, with them, how can the love of God be in you? Um, if you have no pity on someone who's in need, how can the love of God be in you? To take pity on someone is to be moved with compassion. 
Do you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? The Jew is dead on the side, or left dying on the side of the road, and an enemy, the Samaritans, comes by and sees the Jew and has pity on him. And he puts himself at risk of being ambushed and attacked himself by going to the Jew and helping him, bandaging his wounds, putting him on his donkey and taking him to an inn to be looked after. So real love is sacrificial. It puts ourselves perhaps in danger. It's costly. It's sacrificial. It moves us out of our comfort zone to help others in need. Um, in this time of lockdown, don't we need one another to sacrificially love one another, to be willing to give up our comfort, our time for one another? Um, one of the greatest things that I think we can do for one another right now is just to stay in touch and be a listening ear. Um, who are the people in our community who are isolated today? Who are those who um, especially are now isolated because they've had a letter through the post saying that they're not even allowed to go out of the house now because they're extremely vulnerable? Folks, brothers and sisters, I, I appeal to all of us, stay in touch, pick up the phone, email, do whatever you need to do. They, they are the family of God. We need to love them. Or perhaps there's people in your street who are vulnerable and isolated. We can do things. We can um, take them food. We can keep in contact with them. We can offer to go shopping for them. We can lay down our lives, give up our time, our own comfort, our own priorities to love and serve those in our church and in our community. Or maybe there are people in your workplace who are suffering with mental health issues right now, you know, who are struggling with lockdown, I'm sure many of us are, just to be kind to people in simple ways, just bringing, uh, I don't know, bringing a cake or, or just offering a listening ear, just saying encouraging kind words to people, just being there for one another. Some of the greatest things we can do, isn't it? Paul tells us in Romans 12 verse 1, this is how we can love each other sacrificially. Um, Romans 12 verse 1 says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, uh, holy and pleasing to God. So in other words, as we view God's mercy in Christ, then we're able to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice was for us and his father, not for himself. He did it out of love for God and for us. We have been saved through the dying sacrifice of Jesus, so we are free to be living sacrifices. The paradox of sacrificial love is this. As we die to our own self-interest of self-fulfillment and self-centeredness, so we find life in all its fullness. See, you and I were created to love God and love others sacrificially. And as we do that, we find life in all its fullness. We find joy, we find peace, we find fulfillment, we find Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your supreme sacrifice. Thank you that you laid down your life because you loved God and you loved us. And I pray that in view of your mercy, that you would help us to lay down our own self-interests. Lord, we give you our time. We give you our gifts, our possessions today again. And we say, Lord, to you, take my life and let it be 
consecrated, Lord, to thee. Lord, we pray that everything we have and are, we lay it down and we say, use it, Lord. We offer ourselves again today, our bodies as living sacrifices. Take us and use us, Lord, to serve the needs of others in our workplaces. Lord, help us to be the best employers, um, the best employees that we can be, to offer the best services that we can offer for the good of our community. Um, Lord, as parents and grandparents, as teachers, as nurses, as doctors, um, whatever field we're in, Lord, I pray that we would do everything as serving Jesus Christ, who is the audience of one, our boss. Help us to do everything as for the Lord, serving not our own interests, but the interests of God and others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Martin. Now I'm going to sing our uh, closing song, From Heaven You Came, Helpless Babe. This is our God, the Servant King. Thank you, Sarah and Steve.
Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you that you've placed us in your family here in Newhall, in Whitstable, in other places around the country. But that's individual families, but we're all part of the family of God. And we thank you that we are in a privileged position to be sons and daughters of Almighty God. And Lord, from your word this morning to us, we pray that you'll continue to teach us how to love one another, not only in word, but in action. And may you be pleased with the response that we, we make to you today. In Jesus' name and for his glory, we ask it. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much for all those that have taken part this morning. I trust that you'll have a good week uh, despite the lockdown and uh, may God bless you. Thank you. <laughs>